Greetings in the name of the Lord Jesus this morning. We're glad to see everyone come out this morning. It's exciting to be here and to worship the Lord together. Open your Bibles to the book of James. James chapter 5. Just a couple of verses I'd like to dwell on here to draw our minds together in opening. Whether you're present in this room or online with us this morning, we just greet you in the name of our precious Lord Jesus. It's in his name that we gather, and it is him that we worship this morning, him alone, Jesus Christ, who deserves our worship. He came, left heaven, came to this earth, bled and died, gave up his life for us to redeem us and to reconcile us back to God. And it's in his name that we worship this morning. There are so many negative distractions among us today. Maybe like never before, I don't know. And maybe, maybe possibly it's just our mindset that we get caught up. We allow ourselves to get caught up in these negative distractions. But these things can distract us from our godly purpose here on earth. The time that's been given us can draw our minds, our spiritual minds away from God can wrap us all up every morning there are new things it seems like that distracts us in a negative way and whether these things are of the devil or not I I don't always know but I do know that when our our spiritual minds are drawn away from God that is of the devil I do know that when these things occupy all of our time, instead of putting our time in godly things, I know that that is of the devil. Sometimes these things are temporary distractions, and that's what the word distraction normally means. It, it uh, signifies something short-term and temporary a distraction, but when those things occupy all of our time or when things turn into full-time uh, di distraction, it's more than just a temporary distraction. And so when, when something plagues us at the beginning of this year and it, and it occupies all of our discussion, all of our time, our focus, our discussions, and those things linger all summer long and now into the fall and winter, it's probably more than just a temporary distraction. And so we need to have our minds called back to God and we need to purposefully set our minds to him because these things are always going to be around us. Just a couple verses here in James chapter 5. Well, really, there's one word. James chapter 5, verse 8. In King James, it's the word establish. A lot of versions would be established. And it means to set fast, to be certain, firm, set steadfast. In these times, we need maybe like, maybe like no other time. I don't know. This is the time that we're living in, and it's time that we establish our hearts because things around us will move us, shake us, draw us away, distract us. And James says, James is speaking about here the last times. And he's saying, in these last times, establish your heart. 
Be firm, be certain, set, be steadfast. Verses 7 and 8, I'll read. James 5, verse 7, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it, until he receives the early and latter rain. Be ye patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. There are two requirements that James gives here to believers in the last times that's applicable to us today. The first is to be patient under the coming of the Lord. And the second is to establish your hearts in these last times. Patience here does not mean patience like we often think of it. When, when, when we as a parent tell our little ones, just quit dancing around and be patient. That typically means go somewhere and be idle. Right? Sit down and just rest. Take a deep breathe, breathe three times and, and be patient. That's not really the, what this word here is meaning. This word actually takes on an active presence. To be patient here in the Greek means to fully expect something to come. In these last times, with all of the distractions around us, all the different opinions that's flying, all the different headlines that's being printed, truth or not, James is saying in these last times, be patient under the coming of the Lord. Fully expect his coming. Be focused on it. And, he, and coupled with that is this word, establish your hearts. As you are patiently waiting the coming of the Lord, we don't know when he's coming again, but we do believe we are in the last times, and it could be very, very soon. Patiently wait on the Lord with expectation, and while you are patiently waiting, establish your heart. That too means activity. That means that we should find ourselves engaged in things in these last times that establishes our heart, that sets us firm, that makes us steadfast in these last times, rock solid for the Lord Jesus. We don't just do that sitting on our recliners as we would indicate patience. We do that with activity. In other words, if me, I'm not pointing at you, if I would have been in the word of God as many times as I was in the headlines watching politics over the last 30 days, if I would have been in the word of God as much time and as many times, my heart would be more steadfast as I stand here this morning. We should be finding ourselves engaged in the word of God, engaged in encouraging each other, engaged in things of God that would establish our hearts, that would set us firm, that would make us steadfast under the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And most of all, fully expect it. And he likens it as a farmer that waits patiently for the harvest. As he watches and fully expects the spring rains, it says here, and the fall rains, the latter rains. The early rains and the latter rains, the farmer plants and he fully expects the harvest as he patiently waits for those rains. We are waiting for the harvest. We are waiting, fully expecting, without a shadow of a doubt, until we read the headlines, until we 
start worrying about COVID, until we start getting distracted. James is drawing our minds back, and I'm drawing our minds to focus during this worship service on what Brother Clem teaches us. Let's focus on the Word of God. Let's focus on the message. Let's not be distracted with the things around us. Let's draw our minds together, especially in these last times, as we are fully expecting the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to go to prayer. We'll take prayer requests now. And uh, Brother Randy, I'll maybe call on you to pray. Had a couple call-ins this morning before service. Uh, especially, I think, it's weighing on our hearts. We know people that have COVID symptoms. We, uh, most of us, whether it's work, church, our community, we hear cases are on the rise. So we definitely, we can't hardly start mentioning names, but we do pray for those that are sick. And if you're at home this morning watching because you aren't feeling well, we pray for you. And we have elderly that was mentioned to me this morning, Brother Jerry and, and uh, those that are elderly among us. Are there other prayer requests? Kidron. Pray for Cage and the lawnmower accident, his foot, the doctors and surgeons, everyone that's involved there. Other prayer requests? I want to pray for our youth. Just know there's different age groups among you, different challenges, and... Um, really want to focus our prayer for you. We thank you for what you're doing even today with your youth activity and so forth. Bless you. Any other prayer requests? I should mention too at this time, um, because we did not have Sunday school, that's normally when we would send around the free will offering, and we plan to do that during the last hymn uh, today. So that's not for us to do that in public service. If you're visiting this morning, uh, do as you wish. Uh, you don't need to feel obligated to lay towards that offering, but we will, we will do that later on in this service. And that offering will go to the General Treasury, Cornerstone General Treasury, this Sunday. Anything else before we go to prayer? Let's come before him, Randy.
come together special. We realize that always when we come together there are concerns and there are things that bother certain people. There are things
It's time to establish our hearts. Do we have any fans in the house this morning? Are there any football fans? Baseball fans? NASCAR fans? I'm guessing there's some. The list could go on. Golf. I don't know what you're a fan of. I became a fan of the New England Patriots football team many years ago. Um, I, it was a series of events, I guess, that led to that. I, uh, I, I was somewhere and watched, saw the end of a game where the Patriots beat the San Diego Chargers, and it was an upset. It wasn't supposed to happen, and I was young. I didn't know a lot about football at that point, and it kind of stuck out to me. I grew up around a lot of people from Indiana that were Colts fans, and the Colts were good, their quarterback was good, and I just didn't want to root for them. I wanted to root for somebody else. And so I didn't really have a team, but there came a day when I had some friends that got some tickets to go to the AFC Championship game in Indianapolis. I was like, that sounds kind of cool, Who, who's playing? What was the Indianapolis Colts and the New England Patriots? I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll go and cheer for the Patriots. So I went. The RCA Dome in Indianapolis, and it was deafeningly loud, and things were going great until halftime, until after halftime the Patriots had to lead, and it looked like they were going to the Super Bowl. But the Colts' defense made a couple stands, and Peyton Manning made some great throws, and the Colts ended up winning that game. It was just a couple weeks later that I got a call from a man and he said he had purchased some land that I was farming and he wanted to meet with me. His name was Matt Light and he was a member of an, a player on the New England Patriots football team. I met him for lunch, have developed a relationship there and, and so through those series of events, I became a New England Patriots fan, and it's been an awesome 15 years. You know, they've won a lot of games. They've went to a lot of Super Bowls. It's been pretty easy to be a fan until this year, and it's like everything changed. They lost their quarterback, and they lost some other good players, and they've lost more games already than they usually lose in a whole season. I had this discussion with Kip. It don't look like he's here today, but we were talking about the – you know, he was a Patriots fan, and, and he said, I don't, I don't even have a team anymore. He said, I was a Patriots fan, but I was a Tom Brady fan, and I had, a, had a, some clothes, but he said, I said, well, why don't you just be a Tampa Bay fan, Tom Brady? I can't do that. And so I told him, I said, we just got to stick with him. Just continue to be a Patriots fan. Well, that's getting a little hard to do. You begin to lose interest when your team's not any good, don't you? That's why the stands begin to get empty when teams go and can keep losing games and the fans quit going. They cheer when things are going good, but when they don't, our expectations aren't met, they begin to boo and they begin to criticize and they begin to leave the games early and then they quit going. Sometimes they switch teams. A fan's loyalty, in many cases, is only as good as, as strong as their team's performance, it seems. And I had to think about a video series that I watched 10 years ago by Kyle Eidelman. It's called Not a Fan. I don't know where that... DVD set went. I'd like to watch it again. I remember it being impactful when I watched it. And in that series, it was multiple. It, it was quite a few uh, videos there. He, he wrote a book, I believe, first. And he talked about what we're going to talk about this morning. Are you a fan or a follower of Jesus? 
Because Jesus doesn't just want fans that sit in the stands and cheer on Sunday. Jesus wants followers, and I think that even today we can get those words even a little blurred and not understand the meaning of follower as we have followers on Facebook and on Twitter and on Instagram and, and all of these things that we call followers. That's really just kind of fans because once you hear something or begin reading something that you don't like, you just unfollow them. And that's not what it means to be a follower. That's more the definition of a fan. And this morning I believe that Jesus is calling us to be followers. To get out of the stands and onto the team and onto the field. That's what life is about. As we begin this morning, I just want to look at a couple places in the Bible where Jesus called people to follow him. We're going to begin in Matthew 4. We're going to look at how these people responded. Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 8, Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. Their response was seemingly quick and immediate. He go, went for, what, excuse me, going on thence, he saw two other brethren, James the son of Zebedee, John his brother in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And immediately, they left the ship and their father, followed him. Some pretty big asks. And they responded. Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame th went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with divers diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had palsy, and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee, from Decapolis, from Jerusalem, from Judea, and beyond Jordan. He had these followers. Now I want to turn over to Matthew 9, 9. One more place, this is Matthew Jesus passed forth, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom, and he said unto him, follow me, and he arose and followed him. And you can read in other places where he asked people to follow them and they, him, and he, they said, well, I've actually got to do something first. I need to take care of my family, I've got a job, and, and they didn't immediately follow him like these men did that we just read about. Have you heard Jesus call you, follow me? I suppose the verse that this message stems from is Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Luke 9, 23, and he said unto them all, if any man will come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. I just want to look at the words in that verse here for a few moments. He begins with if. <clears throat> you want to follow Jesus? Here's how. If you're going to follow Jesus, if you want to, here's how you do it. Any man, perhaps you could say, that could also say every man. Every man that wants to follow Jesus. This is not limited to anyone special or specific based on any quality that you have or don't have. This is for any man. It's for every man that wants to come after me, he says, and that is not 
talking about trailing behind. This word and the meaning, these words and the meaning of them speaks of a passionate pursuit of going hard after Jesus. This is not just trailing behind. This is coming after with a passion, with a desire. If any man will come after me, here's where you start. Must deny himself. And I wonder. Have you denied yourself this week? Too many times we cheer for Jesus on Sunday and then forget about him after church and we say, I'm okay with faith. I'm okay with being a Christian as long as I can keep it in this box that's only open for church and maybe certain get-togethers or occasions. I'm okay with faith as long as it doesn't interfere with my finances or as long as it doesn't interfere with my sex life or as long as it doesn't interfere with my relationships. As long as it doesn't cost me anything, I can be a Christian. When I ask if you've denied yourself this week, I'm not asking about things that didn't work out for you like that you wanted to do, like if you wanted to go somewhere and your parents didn't let you. Or you, want, you wanted to eat a candy bar, but you had somehow run out of candy bars. You didn't engage in that activity because the opportunity didn't present itself. You didn't speak unkind words because there were too many people around to hear you say them. That is not denying oneself. What I'm asking is, have you purposely and intentionally died to yourself? Talking about denying yourself of a snack, perhaps because you didn't need it, because it wasn't healthy for you. Denying yourself of going to watch that movie because you knew the content was ungodly. Denying yourself of having to be right or to win the argument because you knew it was the right thing to do even though you had opportunity to have the last word. Denying yourself of pleasures or satisfaction that your flesh desired. Have you denied yourself this week? We live in a culture and we can, we don't have to deny ourselves very often if we don't want to. We can just fulfill most of the desires of our heart. We have so much opportunity. So much is so easily available and accessible. As I, sometimes as I sit back and think about how much I actually deny myself intentionally deny myself it's not that much it seems now this is where following Jesus starts it doesn't end here it's not about depraving yourself of something or denying yourself of something like that's not just that's not what it is about following Jesus there's a religions that would teach that that's not what Jesus says this is where it begins but it continues He says, take up your cross, and this is action. Yes, there's something that perhaps we don't do, we shouldn't do. We do need to deny ourselves. But if it stops there, you've gained nothing. We deny ourselves for the purpose of being able to act in another way, in a different way, in a better way, to take up your cross. I can't tell you exactly what that looks like in your life, but I can tell you that oftentimes it won't be easy. 
it won't be pretty, that oftentimes it could even be embarrassing, it may hurt, it may seem impossible. As you engage in hard relationships, as you forgive when they don't deserve it, as you share your time and money with those that seemingly maybe you would think don't deserve it, as you stand on truth when those around you compromise. The cross is always there, sometimes seemingly in your way, reminding you of whose you are and who you're following. He says daily. Deny yourself daily. Take up your cross daily. Paul says, I died daily. This is not a one-time thing that you get to a point in your life where you say, I deny myself and I am now a Christian I'm a follower of Jesus, and that's where it ends. This is an everyday event. We've got to die to ourselves and take up our cross daily and follow Jesus. When you're carrying a cross, you aren't the most popular. You may get made fun of. You may get left out. You may not get invited to some events. But I ask you this morning, are you a fan or a follower? It's going to become more and more unpopular to be either one. But it's been fairly easy to be a fan. It's been accepted, you might say, for the most part. It's not been a big inconvenience. But my heart this morning is just for us to realize today, if I am a fan, to make a decision to become a follower because the only way to endure to the end is to be a follower. You remember in John 6, Jesus fed the 5,000, 5,000 men. He fed all those people. They'd come out and listen to him. They'd stuck around for a long time, and he fed them. And they came back the next day, and they tried to find him. He wasn't there, and they all got in their boats, and they went across the, to Capernaum. He was on the other side of the sea, it says. And they, they asked him what he was doing there, and he said, what are you doing here? And he said, you're not here because of the miracles. You're here because of the food. And he says, no more free food. And he goes on, and he's talking to them. They have a have a discourse there, and he says, I am the bread of life. But what we see in verse 66 of John 6, after that discussion, after that sermon, it says, from that time, many who had been traveling with him no longer followed him. The King James here in John 6 says, many of the disciples went back and walked no more with him. These were fans. I mean, they'd stuck out a whole day with no food. They seemed like followers. They'd followed him across the lake. But they went home. I want to turn to Mark chapter 10. Verse 17, we read about the rich young ruler that no doubt you're familiar with. I'm going to read these verses here in the NASB. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do? I'm going to stop there. This man, did he have doubts about his salvation? He says, what shall I do? And I just wonder if oftentimes 
we don't have that same problem. We like systems, we like processes, we like things that make sense. We crave a system of works that can be tracked. Many times we just want to know what we can do. We like to see how well we're doing. We like to feel like we're doing something. We like to compare ourselves to others. It's in our nature. Do this and get that. Scratch your back so you scratch mine. Work hard to get a promotion. It's the way life works. It's what we understand. And this is what this young man was thinking here. He says to Jesus, what can I do to inherit eternal life? As we read this, it seems like this young man was looking to perform, to impress Jesus. Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. The man says, I haven't killed anyone. I haven't stolen anything. I've been faithful to my wife. Ask my neighbors. I honor my parents. Jesus is standing there knowing everything, and he knows. He said to him, Teacher, I've kept all these things from my youth up. Looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him. And he said to him, One thing you lack. I'm often as guilty as this young man. We come to Jesus and I say, here I am. Look at what I've done. Look at what I can do. I've done good today. I'm doing as good or better than my friends. Jesus looks at us and says, one thing you lack. This humility... This being able to have nothing, can we do that? Can we get there? Nothing except for me. When you give up everything that you have and stop trusting in your strength, in your systems, in your successes, in your belongings, in your friends, in your family, and you can give it all up and follow me and have that be enough, then you will have treasure in heaven. He told this young man, he said, one thing you lack, go and sell all that you possess and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Come, follow me. But at these words, he just couldn't do it. Can you? these words he was saddened and he went away grieving for he was one who owned much property and maybe today you say I don't own much property and yes perhaps that's true in the sense of lands or of much buildings but every one of us we have a lot to our name even from the time of our first birthday oftentimes we begin with a, a toy or a teddy bear and we have bicycles and we have cars and we have houses and we have businesses <clears throat> we own enough to be able to relate here, if we will. You know, Mark talked about the value uh, two weeks ago there on Saturday. He talked about the value that we place on things from the time that we're a slobbering one-year-old. That we want our property. We like our property, and this man was just the same. What are we trusting in? Even though this man had done all the commandments from his youth, he still didn't have treasure in heaven. I think maybe he knew that. That's why he asked the question. Heaven didn't have his heart. This earth did. And you will doubt too. If we live a performance-based life, we're going to find ourselves with the questions and possibly the, the responses and emotions of this young man. Just because 
you go to Cornerstone or whatever your local congregation is, and you're doing everything the way you're supposed to, and you're a good Dunkard Brethren youth member or whatever, but you're not doing it out of a total love and devotion for the Lord, I believe Jesus is going to look at you and say one thing you lack. One thing you lack, I want you to follow me and not yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. That's all I really want. That's all he's ever wanted. I want you to follow me, not cheer for me. Not talk about me. Not just put a fish logo on your car. Not just play the part. I want you to get out of the stands to stop your cheering and get down on the field. We hear it taught at times that if your life isn't going well, perhaps it's, or it's inferred at times, perhaps it's because you're not living right or it's because you don't believe. The Bible doesn't teach that. And that's not true. Jesus never promises an easy life. He doesn't promise prosperity. He doesn't promise even the freedom that we've grown so used to here in America. But he does say that he will be with us every step of the way. He does say that we will be persecuted for his namesake. And he does say that his grace is sufficient. He says that life, yes, may be unfair. He says to turn the other cheek in those times. He says that in all these things we are to rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is our reward in heaven. This morning, are you a fan or a follower? I heard this song. I'm just going to read you some of the a couple verses here in closing. What if the church on Sunday was still a church on Monday too? What if we came down from our towers and walked a mile in someone's shoes? We want to see the heart set free and the tyrants kneel, the walls fall down and our land be healed. But church, if we want to see a change in the world out there, it's got to start right here. It's got to start right now. Lord, I'll start right here. Lord, I'll start right now. Will you be a follower? have a song. We'll sing number 577.